Hello, everybody. Welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, and Colin Doyle, of course, is here. Doyle, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I mean, uh, things are obviously off to a great start here in Toronto Rockland. Everybody is happy. We're all uh, fired up about a big game this week coming up. But I think still everybody riding the high a little bit of last week's win over the Georgia Swarm. I was going to start by saying I saw a great documentary the other night. On? Avicii? On the Fire Festival. The Fire? You ever heard of this? No. Take some time on Netflix. Yeah. And watch it. It's it's good perspective on the world we live in. It's about a festival that was basically created through um, social media. And okay. really, it, it well, I mean, watch it. it. It's unique. And then I want to hear your take on it next week. Where is this festival? It was on an island in the Bahamas. And I thought you were going to say the Avicii doc. Everybody seems to be talking about the Avicii doc. It's on my list. I want to get to okay. it next. But yeah, watch that, and then we'll have an interesting conversation once you've seen it. Okay. Okay? Because I think we can reference it back to lacrosse a little bit. Is it going to infuriate me that it's about social media? <laughs> like I said, it gives a unique perspective of okay. what right. what can happen with social media. Anyway, I thought that was good. So, yeah, but you didn't ask me, you know, what, well, if I learned like, anything I, new this week or you, you just jump right into lacrosse. Sorry, but, yeah, so I, I think uh, wife and I just got through season six of Homeland. Did you ever watch Homeland? Not yet. Okay. Well, there, there's a bit of a social media twist to that season as well, and it's kind of like it it – there's a lot of things about social media in my job that sometimes drive me a little bit crazy. <laughs> and I imagine. <laughs> and how I, things kind of get started when there's nothing really there. And just, so we both have some work to do this week. I'll give you, I'm going to watch a couple episodes of Homeland, see if I can get into it. I've got to find some time, but if I do, I'll, it's deep. Like it's, uh, I mean, there's six seasons of it, right? So, okay. That's it's, good. But once you get into it, see, I think season one's the best. But it's it's pretty. Uh, I'm also listening to a great podcast. What's that? Other than this one, it's called Up and Vanished. My brother got me on it. Now yeah. I just like I do a lot of driving. You yeah, know, I don't live near this place, but I'm here a lot. And uh, it's about a somebody, a, a girl who had disappeared from the George area. I think in '05. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, huh. a, a whole new world. These podcasts for yeah. me. So thanks, Mike, for putting me on. Are you you're, are you into any of the other anything else yet? My my other big ones, Spit and Chicklets. Love it. Jay and, Jay and Dan, like sports center guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Not up Collins Alley. If, no. If this was on video, you would see that. And uh, the other one is uh, the Pete and Sebastian show. Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian. Never heard of him. Really? Is he Canadian? He's everywhere. No, he's American. Really? He's everywhere right now. Everywhere. I got to put more miles on then. Yeah. Because it's the only time I can listen to You'd love these. Pete and Sebastian right. because it's, it's just like – you know, today I went to the whatever store and these guys drive me nuts. What are these people thinking? Like, that's a lot of Sebastian Maniscalco's comedy is very just real. It's not political. It's not this. It's not that. It's just all everyday real life experiences that he goes through, right, that he makes. Kind of maybe a little bit Seinfeld-esque, I think, sometimes sure. with some of his stuff. But, um, yeah, definitely. He's got a new Netflix uh, special out that just dropped, I think, last week sometime and worth the watch you'll you'd enjoy it it's but it's only about an hour and stand up at radio city music hall and what a good. world what a world we live in look at this all right hey i've got three months worth of television to watch now <laughs> yeah at least yes okay so back okay so back yeah to back to the big win last friday night 14 uh, 9 the toronto rock beat the georgia swarm and i thought you know the way the rock came out 
in the first quarter was just like out of the perfect playbook, I guess. The secondary scoring we had talked about so much it happened, you know, you get out four nothing. Schreiber gets the fourth goal, I think it was, and it's like now everybody's chipping in. You haven't let in a goal. I thought the defense was playing great. And, you know, you're up 4 nothing. And while you never feel safe against the Georgia team because then, you know, they started chipping away, and especially Lyle, I think, had a couple of goals in the third quarter, I want to say, that I know everybody in the press box kind of turned to each other and went, Here we go. is he about to take over this game? So, um but to combat that, I think there were several defenders who had defining shifts in that game, whether it be Brad Cree, Brock Sorensen had one shift, I think, against Lyle Thompson that he just ate him up. Uh, Latrell Harris, I can remember making a big strip behind the net that pretty much took away a golden scoring chance. I thought there was a lot of guys that really had their big moments in the game in a positive way. I'm starting to think the way you're looking. No, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. It. No, okay, I, all right. I, um, and I think that it was, you know, you talk about a team effort, all this secondary scoring we've talked so much about. Challenge scores twice at home. We get to hear his goal song twice. We were real happy in the press box about that one, or those two, I guess you could say. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of my, I guess, short take on things. We talk on the show all the time about this team discovering exactly what they are. Yep. And I think this was a real good blueprint for where they're going. And, you know, if they're all playing at their top potential, this is what you're going to start seeing. And I'll tell you what I saw, and I'll allude to it in my in my next segment here in a little bit, but for the first time in a long time, our athleticism, our speed, and our size and strength on, on defense, what I saw was a Georgia offense that couldn't generate anything unless the ball was in four stick. And – their secondary scoring is what makes them so dangerous. And I watched, and what I watched was none of their players being able to create anything against any of our defenders with the exception of number four. And even number four as that game went on, and you alluded to it with some of the matchups he was on with Latrell and um, Brocky. look, you know, we overmatched them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when they built this team, this is what they wanted to get. And, man, we saw it firsthand. I saw a Georgia offense that went through stretches, long stretches, without generating good chances. And I saw an offense that really, you know, turned and looked to one player to say, you're going to have to do this because it's not here. And to me, that's our, that's, our de- that's our defense. That's the size and speed. And, man, they, it was on full display this week. And, I, and, and I'll allude again to our defense in a little bit. I was so impressed. But this isn't one game. This is going on five games now. These guys have been really, really good. And then when you got Rosie back there for when they do have a mix-up, you know, you need a good defense and a good goalie in this league. And yeah. I love where that's going. And we'll get into the offense in a little bit. And you're right. The one thing I noticed about the first five minutes of that game, and I could be wrong, but six of our first ten shots were taken by Littner and Craig. And they had that, they had that mentality. Let's go out and get it. Yeah. And I don't know if that was by design or not, but I, I took special note of it. Now, they weren't rewarded. Um, right off the hop, but they were aggressive, just like everybody else, and as they should be. So, yeah, it was it was super impressive. So many things to be impressed with. They beat a very good team. I think a team that, for the first time, showed some cracks in being depleted offensively from some of these drafts and moves that have been made. They lacked a secondary playmaker, I think. And, you know, with Jordan Hall being gone and um, the kid from O West from Victoria, Jesse King being gone, I just think – 
for the first time, I kind of saw that take its toll with a, with a good team. So that is a tip of the cap to our defense. And, uh, you know, as, as far as the team game goes and the statement game goes, they delivered. You mentioned athleticism there. And, I, you know, I think a little bit, you know, I watched some of the games uh, Saturday night and I just started thinking the way we played and the way that game went on Friday night, I started thinking, you know, if, if the Rock can kind of bring that level of athleticism on the front and the back end against everybody else in the league. Don't start thinking like that. Just bring it this wow. weekend. Wow. For the season. Because I thought there were some games on Saturday night that looked like they were being played in wet cement. I'm going to tell you this. Comparatively speaking. I watched a lot of lacrosse this weekend, and you're bang on. Yeah. Uh, what I did notice was a, a league that had been depleted by expansion. Yeah. I saw it firsthand. Some teams that were really, really good last year, those four or five difference in players, the games were not nearly as good, yeah. uh, you know, especially out west. But even some of the eastern games, the level of play is, is down. And the team least affected by all of this, in my opinion, is the Rock. They look the opposite. They look like they weren't that touched up from the draft, and they look better, younger, faster, stronger, more deadly on offense. Every other team looked worse. And it, it was yeah. the eye test. And, you know, I, I don't have stats to back it up, but the, the game looked worse. It looked slower. It looked like offensive movement was was dead and gone. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I saw the same thing. And you're right. Uh, but the problem is, is we can't get ahead of ourselves. You can start to get really excited about this team. And I think we've had that perspective, you and I, here all along. But this is a long way to go. I think we're into week six here. So much is going to change between now and then. And we'll talk about it. But I think where they are right now, is excellent where they can go you know we'll, we'll see and how do you you know i was thinking about this coming in today because a lot of times you look at a team and where they're at and you say oh you know this reminds me a lot of this or this reminds me a lot of that team you know five years ago and stuff like that and then i started thinking well you know what every team is different like this this team is this team right and as much as you try to compare it however you know last year right around this time this team was four and two and had reeled off you know, four games where they had combined for over 80 goals and it looked like they were, you know, ready to just run roughshod through the rest of the league. But that didn't happen. And what was the biggest reason that stopped happening? We lost Tom Schreiber, did we not? Part of it, yeah. Shortly after that, Tom went down with the injury and missed seven games. And So um, think, think right now what that would do to this team again. So, like, not... Absolutely, so, yeah. And, and I think... But I still think there's enough there to get through some kind of speed bump. Maybe not that You that would have thought length. that last year, too. Exactly. So, excuse me, that's kind of where I'm going with this is that, you know, every team being different and, you know, at the same time, drawing back maybe on some of your experiences, when you get into this time of year, because I think at the start of the season you come in and you've got uh, energy, optimism, all those things. you got a lot of fire going, I think, and then you kind of hit the midpoint of the season. And what keeps you going? You know, I mean, winning, you know, Matt Sawyer in his postgame comments, you know, the very first thing he said was winning is fun. And I thought, you know, that is something that can keep guys going, I think, is when this is fun, I think, with like anything, you're more engaged, you're more dialed into it, right? When it's fun and you're just having a good time and enjoying yourself, I think that translates in every walk of life. When you go to work, if you're having fun, you know, you're enjoying it, you're probably going to be better at your job, so to speak, as well. So, you know, 
I guess how do you know you're sitting there at four and one? I mean, I look ahead even to this week. I won't get too far into it, but you know, this Saturday kind of looks like one of those things where you might call it a trap game, right? Maybe they've had their trap game with them. This is no okay. trap, so let's be clear on that. That this should be the one where their focus is let's go out and pound these guys to send the message that we knew it was a mistake in Toronto, yeah, and we're going to impose our will, and we can put our focus right down to the wire when yeah. we need to. I think that's what this game is. They've had their trap game, and they didn't get burned by it. So I think this is different. But, yeah. but you're right. I guess back to my question is just, you know, if you subtract a possible injury coming up, but how do you keep going at this time of year? Because I, I feel like in baseball, you know, they talk about the dog days of summer and whatnot and getting through that middle part. I kind of feel like almost we're getting to that point in the schedule here where it's almost sure. the dog days of the NLL season. It gets colder. The winter turns. Yeah. Uh, you know, the weather starts to come in. That's an extra hour. For everybody driving into practices, the practices get longer. Um, winning does keep it upbeat. Yeah. But winning is a weekend thing. And, you know, they're putting their work in on Tuesday nights is a big reason probably why they are where they are now. So those Tuesday nights get harder and all those things. But ultimately in this league, the teams that always win it are the teams that are playing the best at the end of the year. And you're right. So much can happen between now and then. How they keep their focus, I don't know. Um, take it one week at a time. Just win the next game. Uh, but all those things are just they're just talk. They're just things in window dressing. They've got to figure out that we've talked about this all year long. This team is going to look different than any team I played on, and it, it should. It's built differently. So they got to find out what keeps them motivated. And that's on the coaches, yeah. but it's on the leaders. It's on the players. But if they're if they're going to take a run at this thing, they got to be playing better than they are right now when it counts the most, and that's into April and May. And that's a long ways away. So like you said, they're sitting pretty. So much can happen. Some of these teams that aren't sitting pretty at all, it's just not worth counting them out yet because they're a three-game run away from being right back into it. So, you know, my my expertise would tell me stay focused. Stay focused on just winning the next week. And, you know, don't worry about winning a championship. Don't worry about being first in the East. Don't worry about any of those things. And I'm sure beating Georgia was weighing on them. Take it off the list. Just get out and win the next game. So they're young. They should be having fun. This should come easy for them. Uh, getting here every Tuesday and showing up every weekend ready to play. It should be easy for them, but it, it is a challenge, and, and so much can happen. So go out and win this weekend. That's all I can say, but it's going to be fun, and it's going to be fun to continue to watch this team mold into what they are. But, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Do you have your the good, the bad? Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get some uh, a clip for this one. I, okay. This, this is totally different. I couldn't help myself. We're going to call this Good, Great, Grand, Wonderful paying some homage to Chris Farley and Billy Madison when he's the bus driver. <laughs> so dial in that clip for us here. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the bus. I, I've, I, I don't have anything bad to say. I, I literally don't. Um, okay. So we're going to call this one the Good, Great, Grand, Wonderful. Oh, and have you seen the Adam Sandler <laughs> song, uh, Paying Homage to Chris Farley? No, it's fantastic. So. It's uh, uh, Adam Sandler did a brand new stand up tour, and it's a lot of music, and it's yeah. it's very touching. I was a big Chris Farley fan. It's yeah. very good. So look that up. It only All takes right. six minutes. Okay. Anyway, so the good um, challenge off the snide at home. It's good to see him put a couple home. Uh, his game's not directed by goals, or it's not dictated by how many goals he scores. But it's good for him to kind of get that monkey off his back. So I was happy for him, and that's who he is. And I think now he can just loosen up and beat Allen Rodgers. He was a real, real beast in that game. That's the good. The great is Rosie. 
just another sound game, very consistent. Um, stops the ones he's supposed to, even a few he's not. And I think he gives this D a lot of confidence. So if that continues to trend in the right direction, we're going to see great results there as well. Do you think – sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Do you think Rosie might have been at some of his uh, – or near his best in this game in terms of his movement? It seemed like he – I felt anyways watching the game. I thought he was moving better than he has all year. And just seeing the ball almost like that step ahead at times, I thought. That's twofold in my opinion. Yeah. That's us dictating what they got. Right. They didn't get any of those backside dumps in the empty. Like, they didn't force Nick to make saves where he's over-exuding himself. Right. And if you can remember vividly, the last two or three years, there would be empty nets behind him and they would just yep. stuff it in there. We took that away from them. So, yeah, I, I think Nick was moving better. But our defense really dictated what they got and what they yeah. didn't. So okay. kind of twofold. So yeah, right. absolutely. He was he was fantastic. This and I don't think he's had a bad one yet. So no. so you know you say what you want, but yeah. he, he's been solid for these guys and and I believe they've got the best GAA in the league. Do they not? Or close to it? Rosie, he was going into Saturday and then he dropped uh, a few points behind Evan Kirk there after they played. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, good things there. The grand is our secondary scoring. We, we harped on this, or I harped on this last week. Um, we got great responses from Littner and Craig. Um, basically, Craig had three, was super aggressive with the ball in a stick, and moved well without it. Got rewarded on both. Littner had two. He had one called back, and that was a great feed by Craig. Yeah. And then he hey, he got absolutely robbed by that pool and save. So could have yeah. hung four. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, again, th this is what you need to see. But I love their aggressiveness. I think it played so well for this team. Not only did they get rewarded, um, they were aggressive. And, I, but again, how are you going to stop it? So I love it. Keep that moving. The wonderful was the defense, and we talked about this. Our, our size and speed took away their chances, dictated the pace of play, and their offensive players really, aside from number four, could not create. And even four got stuffed a bunch by RD. So, man, our size and speed is really showing through. So – uh, nothing negative whatsoever to say. This was the perfect win at home. And uh, like like we talked about, only only excitement right now for Rock fans. I, I really think they got to get excited about this team. And I think the players' kind of youthfulness and freshness to this will enable them to really enjoy this as they keep getting better because they don't even know how good they are, I don't think, or yeah. how good they can be. Um, but they'll figure it out here in a hurry. So awesome job this weekend by the, by the Rock Okay, sound bites and all. We're good. Okay, let's take a short break here, Doily. Sounds good to me. All right, we're, uh, we've got a couple of guests lined up today. Creighton Reed and Jamie Dowick will be on the show. We will uh, start things off with Creighton Reed, and we will be back in just a moment here on Toronto Rock Total Access. There ain't too much I haven't seen. Toronto Rock Total Access continues here, and right now, Colin and I welcome in uh, first guest of the show, Creighton Reed. Reader, how you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> nice surprise to have you on here today, Reader. Pretty excited about this. Yeah, it's yeah. a surprise for all of us. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> it's a welcome back for everybody here because uh, Creighton, of course, played for the Toronto Rock 2010-2011, won a championship, and yeah. then went to Colorado. 
Yeah, never won a playoff game since. Ooh. Ooh, that's a <laughs> is that a comp back yeah, in a compliment to the rock that? or are we taking <laughs> shots at your past clubs here, which include stops in Colorado and Calgary, if I'm correct, reader. I'm uh, just saying I'm thrilled to be back to get back to winning playoff games. <laughs> well, off to a good start for sure. Now before we get started, I'll, you know, into the lacrosse questions. It is now twelve oh one. Uh, humor our listeners, reader. What time is uptime for Creighton Reed regularly during the week? What time are we out of bed? Well, uh, Hammer sent me a message at 9.30 to uh, come here, and I made it on time. Be you here. So I guess I'm an early riser these days. <laughs> I am also two and a half hours away from here. I can give you a little bit of slough time there. <laughs> we all got excuses, but... And, and, I'll, and I don't mean to harp on this, but you and I have been talking some time now. Uh, Reader, I believe you are the type of player. Now, evidently, had you not won a playoff game there, maybe I'm in the wrong. But a little disappointed Colorado didn't uh, didn't give you a little, uh, a little um, jumbotron time. You know, a little thank you for your years of service. Nothing? Yeah, well, like we said, uh, we're not out there at halftime. So they, they, there's 15 minutes unaccounted for. Maybe it might have been a huge show that just... <laughs> Might have just missed it. Hammer, we're going to have to do some digging. If there was a halftime piece that I missed, yeah, okay, you well. know, we got to find that. Because, I, like I said, I, you know, but did you get one when you came back to Toronto? I highly doubt it. No, I don't now, would that, so. would we blame the PR guy for that? I would imagine. Okay, that, yeah, let's blame him. Yes. We'll move on, Mike. But like I said, I, I was disappointed to see, you know, we need more Jumbotron features. If Reader ever leaves and comes back, let's keep that in mind. You're feel big good on stories. This. I feel like just for reader. Just for reader. <laughs> just for reader. I think he's earned it in so many ways. Like, are there some other guys on the schedule here the rest of the year you're thinking deserve a jumbotron feature that could be coming back to Toronto? At this point, no. no. Just great okay. reader. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Aaron Pasquez. <laughs> you know, I wanted to talk about him at some point during this interview because. <laughs> And, you know, because I think we've, Doily, we've talked a little bit about Aaron Paskus, better known to many around here as George. Uh, But uh, what, like, he's a guy, because let's go back and talk about the 2011 championship team a little bit. You know, Creighton was here. He left. Uh, There was a few other guys that were kind of in and out over that, those couple of years, really, in 2010, 2011. And then, you know, some, like Pat Madalena came in that year. I don't think played another game after 2011. Anthony Lackey, another name that was 2010. Pro- yeah, in yep. and out. Yeah, uh, and then Pasquez, of course, was on our championship team in 2011 and a big part. And then yeah. really never heard from again. So reader. Yeah, well, you'd think I'd have additional insight because he's a Maple Ridge bird too, but he he literally just disappeared. He like like. I, I don't know. You need to hire a private investigator or something. Like, you know, he didn't come back for the summer, that summer, and then you kind of vaguely heard from him. Like, I'm not an expert with the phone, but Pascus took it to a whole nother level. Like, he was literally missing, and then I, I don't I, – yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. he's the only guy that I know of that just undefeated in the playoffs, got in there, got his ring, and, and hung him up. 
hard to argue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now you're here. You are trouncing eight, nine years later, yeah. still looking for that next pa- win. Paskus and I oh, have both won. We both played in the same last playoff victory <laughs> for me. <laughs> it was quite a mismatch of uh, of players on that 2011 team. We'll stay with this talk topic for a little bit. You came in in 2010, correct? Yeah. Uh, and we had that great year, and we went all the way final and lost. Uh, did you have aspirations of playing in the league? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious to hear your take on it. How did you, how did you come about playing for the Toronto Rock? How did you end up with our team? Uh, that's uh, basically Rob Williams. Rob Williams is the coach of Maple, uh, Maple Ridge Berards and was the D coach back then. And I got drafted there at a junior in the WLA and played a season for him. And he knew Terry somehow just through he played I don't know 10 or 12 years in the league and just knew knew Terry enough to basically call Terry and got me a try like an invite to rookie camp they had like a rookie free agent camp that year so he was my ticket to that and then did you come in on (laughs) did you come into the league but even I think let's take it back a step further than that because you're a Milton boy yeah originally originally right and then Markham Jr. B. Yeah. Right? I didn't know any of this. How did you – see, this is the thing, right? So I feel like sometimes that we talk about, you know, where did Creighton Reed come from? You know, we're talking about WLA and in BC and stuff like that. But let's go back a little bit further to the Junior B days. And, you know, even at that time, did you have aspirations to even play at a higher level? Well, and how did you end up at West? Yeah. I uh, I mean, yeah, I, uh, like – Sure, aspirations <laughs> is a big word, but I obviously I wanted to, you know, watch Toronto Rock as a kid and stuff, and would thought it'd be awesome to play. Yeah. But I ended up at West because I went to uh, UBC, okay. and as like uh, Markham Junior B was not uh, not getting a lot of looks, and I was, you know, scoring three goals a year for Markham Junior B was certainly not getting a lot of looks. So, and by the time you come back from school, Junior A training camps are over, uh, like a it wasn't it just wasn't working yeah. working out so I went to uh Coquitlam had Coquitlam is the best team out west that had an open tryout so I went while I was out at school like at UBC and then just stayed and then yeah ended up living out west for a decade which is seems to happen to a lot of people it's not the, it's not a unique story that part yeah. I'm not the first guy to get sucked right. into that right. but uh <laughs> Yeah, so then that's how I, I played a couple of years of Coquitlam Junior A, which is how I ended up yep. in the WLA. And then, like I said, played I play, ended up playing ten, nine or ten years, I think, for Maple Ridge. Yeah. I loved playing. Biggest Maple Ridge Birds fan of all time. Are you, are you still with the Birds? No. Uh, well, no, because I lived in Calgary last summer, so I didn't play summer lacrosse. I mean, technically, they probably still own me, but... Um, yeah, so then, like, yeah brings back to Rob Williams uh, yeah. being the coach and co- make a phone call that got me a chance to have a tryout here. When you came into the Rock, you know, you had a very specified role. Uh, did you have that same role in junior and playing a year with the Brards or were you or were you a legit scorer in junior? Like what was your role in junior and, and did you have to morph into something different to make the Rock? Because we had uh, five or six guys similar to you in that they could handle the ball, they could run, they could play some D really do a little bit of everything so I'm really curious to hear what you did in junior like what was your role before you got to the rock 
Uh, yeah, by the time I was playing junior A, I was playing D. I, uh, I played O in Markham for like a year or two, and then, but uh, yeah, jun by junior A, I'd, I'd got there, which I feel like every D guy in this league has reached a point where <laughs> back in Bantam, everyone was allowed to shoot the ball, <laughs> and there comes some point after Bantam and before here where they say, okay, you're more of a, the other end of the floor guy, and I'd had that speech well before I got to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Were you the first player ever to have that speech in Novice? Hey, we joke. We joke with you. Milton Mavericks, man, I play it anywhere. Well, we could joke about it, but you're off to a heck of a start chipping into the transition game putting some points up having two goals already and yeah. uh really uh, you know when we can joke about it but you're not a liability at all and i think are a big part of where this defense has morphed into this really deadly transition style game and you're uh, and i feel like you're a part of 10 guys that can literally do it and i yeah. think that's pretty fascinating a lot of teams in this league try to build that way with no luck and I think kind of slowly here, we're looking at a defensive group where all 10 players can contribute offensively when needed. It's pretty neat. Is that by design? Um, the design part is above my pay grade, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that looking around the room, the, I, I couldn't agree more with you that the guys that I'm playing with, there's all sorts of guys who who can, can contribute that way, and they're, they're – uh, I mean, I guess if you're asking by design, I know that, that Maddie always says, like, you, you have the green light and, and nobody's – there's certainly no uh, – nobody holding guys back when, when they see good opportunities. So so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, Mike, I, one more thing here on this. Yeah. I, and I'm curious about this. You did have stops in Calgary for one or two years? One year. And then how long in Colorado? Uh, six. And I can imagine, and this is where things kind of get blurred in this league, because every coach kind of speaks to the same philosophy. We want to run. We want to push it. And, uh, you know, you spent six years in Colorado, a team that traditionally loved to run the ball as well. And like I said, I, I'm seeing it now. This is different. This looks different in Toronto than, it, than every other attempt in past years with past teams. Everybody wants to run the ball. But what's so unique about this group is they're, they're all able to really score. And, and like I said, I want you to look back at Colorado. Was the same philosophy in place there? And is the talent level here, does it look different? Or am I, am I seeing something that's not there? Um, like, yeah, like you say, I, I, nobody ever says, hey, we're shutting. Well, there'll be no transition from us, you know, or whatever. Like, you <laughs> well, never, that's not true because <laughs> early years of the Toronto Rock, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I guess, and you do kind of, you do sometimes uh, run into the attitude of, hey, we're just here to get the old guys the ball. So I guess it's it's kind of a collective mentality thing. But we're also, uh, I feel like there's there's tons of youth on our on our back end, which which just kind of brings a certain, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know if attitude's the right word, but just like a just a feel of of you know there's everybody's kind of got a little spring in their step and, and mo most teams that I've played on I don't know if this is what you're getting at but so, sort of a lot of teams I've played in on in the past you've got a group of guys who feel like well I'm just the stay-at-home you know I, the, I'm more of a stay-at-home guy and and if you get four or five guys feeling like that it kind of 
collectively sucks the sucks the wind out of it maybe but there yeah it's nice that uh you know that if you you see a chance to take off that the other guy sees it too and he's coming <laughs> so it's, it encourages you to, to think yeah yeah let's go <laughs> now you talked a little bit about we joked kind of off the top about you know the last playoff win for you was back here in toronto in 2011 but you know with this time now having passed in your career do you look back at it and and appreciate it a little bit more and now that you're back here you know do you have a little bit of yourself a little bit of a you know some renewed energy like you're talking about in in having this chance to be back here in toronto and and maybe take another run at things here yeah everybody uh i think everybody it's like the biggest cliche ever that you don't appreciate it if you win it when you're a kid or whatever but it, it is uh so now I'm going to repeat it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. But my first two years, like Dooley said in 2010, we went to we went to the final and lost the heartbreaker. And then 2011, we won. So uh, I, at that point, you know, Toronto Rock, Mid-Dynasty when I was a kid. Now I was thinking, oh, here, we're going to about to peel off three or four more here. <laughs> I, you know, I got, got this all lined up. And then, uh, yeah, it didn't quite go like that. But uh, <laughs> I, I had, obviously, I had a phenomenal experience uh, the first go-around in Toronto. And uh, that was even before, you know, things like this facility and, and, and all sorts of other great stuff happened that's come along. So, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome to come back here. Uh, yeah, so when you got the call this summer, you know, when you got the call this summer was uh, complete shock. Was it, uh, where did you think your lacrosse career was at, especially the way things finished last year with Calgary, with you ending the year on the practice roster and becoming an unrestricted free agent? Where did you think you were heading? And, and what was that reaction when you got the call? Yeah. Um, yeah, my lacrosse career was not in a in a good spot last summer. I would I would agree with that statement. That's, I, I don't. That Mike didn't make no, that I statement. didn't make that statement. That's, I that's asked you here. what you felt that, about that frank assessment. There's no no argument coming from me. Um, yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't really know. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I knew. I, I think it was pretty clear I wasn't going back to Calgary, but. Uh, I didn't really know what what was coming, and I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, know. I don't know. I was, I was thrilled to hear because, like I said, I had a phenomenal experience in Toronto the first go around. I, I knew Matt uh, a little bit from that. He'd been yep. here in 2010. Uh, I knew Jamie, obviously. Um, there, I thought that. Well, there would be Chappie and Robbie, but then Chappie retired. So Robbie, <laughs> literally, which is all, kind of blows my mind because it doesn't feel, you know, it feels almost like six months ago to me that we won, but yeah. apparently a little more time than that's gone <laughs> on. There's only one, like, coming back to there only being Robbie who'd been there from the championship years. It seemed wild, but, uh, yeah. I've forgotten the question by now. I'm just rambling on. <laughs> you're, you're pretty much the the first player that's been here and come back, I think, during Jamie's tenure. Uh, so you're basically here the first year he bought the team, and now you're back with the club. So unique perspective. He was a brand-new owner at the time in 2010, yeah. and now you see him eight, eight years down the road, nine years down the road. Have you noticed any differences in him? And he's obviously the GM of the team now, which is different, but have you seen any difference in how he manages – this club 
um, or if he's changed at all in in the years that have passed? Um, I th- I think like you just said there, it's obviously a uh, like he's got a a significantly increased role in the lacrosse part, which is the part that I see. So, because uh, when when he like when I was here in 2010 and 2011, we had T was the GM and 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 handled all the contract stuff and all the stuff like that. So that's a, uh, a, a change, I guess, or a, just a change in role maybe. And, and then obviously uh, it's a whole new experience. Like this, this is all new, new to me. Like we, we were still practicing out in Six Nations. And, and so this place is phenomenal. The track is, is like sometimes blows my mind when I remember looking around at training camp and and turning to I don't know who I was standing next to Johnny Paulus I think maybe and being like holy smokes like this is this is where we did like you're looking around at the hot tub in the dressing room and you're thinking man this time last year I was in like a indoor soccer facility with showers that didn't work and (laughs) (laughs) trying to like get out of there with it it's like holy this is incredible so uh but yeah, Jay, I, I, to get back to again, I just ramble on. I guess is that what's supposed to happen here? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We got, we got all the time in the world. <laughs> to, crazy to, get, to get back uh, to Jamie, I, I I would say Jamie's Jamie's Jamie. He, he's I've always had a huge amount of respect for him because of who he is. I don't. I wouldn't say I've noticed it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. Right? Like I said, you got to be careful with him anyway. He does write the checks, right, Reader? <laughs> hey, yeah. So he's the best GM in the league. The oh, one. Yeah. he's the number one facility. Now, I, I, you referenced the facility here, and we we really haven't got into it in this. By the uh, way, what do we? Uh, what's Hammer paying me for this? <laughs> that's a good point here, Doug. You're bringing up. None of the other guests have asked. So, <laughs> oh, is, so. we're treading new water here. Yes. <laughs> negotiation on the on air negotiation. On the fly. Eh? You got a pop? Did Hammer buy that for you? <laughs> oh. No, he didn't. <laughs> no. Well, he ought to. Reader. If I had him, you probably would have been upset about it. Pretty that sure that's yours, right? We talk about pay on this thing, obviously, yeah. you and I, and I'm still waiting. So this may be my last podcast if those checks don't start arriving. But we talked about we don't talk about this facility a ton. And the facility, the facility, of course, we're in it right now. We're talking about the Toronto Rock Athletic Center. And I'll, I always have conversations with other lacrosse players. I said, you imagine if this thing was here when you were a kid. And so many kids nowadays are, are lucky to have this place, call it home for winter leagues or clinics or whatever it is they do. But, you know, you know, my opinion is I had to stop playing hockey a lot earlier if I had the opportunity to be around here. I can remember trying to hone my skills in the winter in a gymnasium or outside in four feet of snow. This is so incredible. And uh, I'd like to get your perspective. If something like this were around when you were a kid, how that may have changed your, your view of the game. Well, I might have been able to hang on until junior A before I got sent to the other end of the floor. <laughs> well, that's assuming we had some really good coaches here. Yeah. That's assuming nobody else was allowed in the doors. Yeah, this is only for you. <laughs> well said, no, Reader. But, yeah, it's obviously phenomenal, and they do a great job here. Like, they run the, the Rock Elite Leagues, which, again, like – yeah, there was nothing, nothing like that. Even when I was was I was a kid, and it seems like beyond that, the uh, I don't even know if they had the Team Ontario stuff going on. Maybe I just wasn't good enough. But 
Like there seems to no, be a, there no, seems when to you be were a, younger, no, it wouldn't a have ton been. of yeah, a ton yeah. of opportunity, which is great that, yeah. they, that they do all this. Like there's so many opportunities for the guys this year, and it kind of shows. Like I was, was at the Rock Elite League uh, last night coaching, and there's you know it's bantam guys just putting backhands on a rope and stuff and i, I don't really remember a lot of that going <laughs> yeah. on in bantam now that's that's reader that's this promised me one thing you score on a backhand this year you've got to be back on the show yeah deal well, if i throw a backhand it better go in or i won't be back on the team <laughs> I'm always It'll be the first one and the last one. <laughs> oh, I think uh, I think Matt li- loves a bit of creativeness. Out of the- hey, you've got to see how much rope you've got back there. One of you guys has got to do it. Uh, I- I'm assuming it'll be Brocky before anybody else. <laughs> Likely, assuming, right? No, Maybe. I'm not wrong. No, he's he's taken to the high wire act a couple times. He has done the dive from behind the net, and yeah, real beauty last year. But I wouldn't. I would suspect we'll put a little wager on it here uh i'm taking brocky the first backhand out of the back door this year who you got mike i got i think i got luttrell oh, wow <laughs> okay reader who's it gonna be hey, well you, you can influence this i don't you can't you can't tell the guys to go do it now <laughs> yeah. well I, yeah i was gonna say is there money on this because <laughs> i might take my chances <laughs> 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 Outstanding, reader. That is that is such a great answer. Go ahead, Mike. Well, let's chat about uh, kind of what's what's gone on here so far this season. The team's off to a phenomenal start. Uh, you know, it seems like we've talked a little bit on the podcast this year. The the building blocks uh, coming along here with the types of wins that the team has got. And Maddie Sawyer's talked a little bit about that too. About you know. Ugly wins, good wins, great wins, and the win over Georgia last week. You know, I know you haven't been around here for some of the struggles that the team has had against Georgia, but I'm sure you must have been getting the vibe in the room and coming into that game, just how big that game was last week and how big have you kind of seen that win kind of be for the team following uh, Friday night's decision there? Yeah, um, I think they're all big. That's That's one of the – First of all, it's it's nice to win by five. That's a yeah, a good step in the <laughs> right in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. um, but I th- I think that they're really all big, and that's one. Like you said, I've been around here for for a long time. But one thing I really noticed coming back here, as opposed to playing in the West for the last seven years, is that it's it's a lot like tighter in the east yeah. basically uh for a combination of things there's an extra team which is huge uh and the in vancouver like, plays in the west yeah <laughs> you know, i'll say it for you Reed. Wow. yeah well, wow there it is I mean, I, that, yeah you said it not me but but there were years there were a number of years where where with the playoff system and, and you know teams that shall not be mentioned maybe not doing so well that you by mid-season you were basically in the playoffs which is a weird I don't think that's how it's going to be you know in the Eastern no. Conference and then you look at I think we're six or I don't know six weeks into the season or something and I think that a Western team's beaten Eastern team once so far so nobody's like nobody's losing any ground yeah. going over there so uh and you know it's uh every every game out here uh 
is 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 incredibly i mean they're always important and everything yeah but like it it you you slip you slip for a week and and there's not uh you know you don't have a three-game cushion any looking around anywhere and uh i think it's awesome you know well last year we saw that you you we won one week we're in first we lost we're in last yeah. Like, that's the way the swings were last year. And at one point, you know, everyone, I think, was tied or within a game of each other. And everything did come down to the final final couple of weeks last year. And I don't think anything's going to be too different this year. Well, look what changed just this weekend with Georgia dropping two, New England uh, grabbing that one, and you guys, of course, beating Georgia. Like, the whole shape changed overnight. And yeah. it will continue to do that throughout the season. That's why there's really no point in getting too excited about anything. Because, well, you're a week away from being somewhere totally different. I think that's... That's great perspective there, and the reality is we just saw it happen, and it can continue to happen. And, yeah. and like you said, the West is a little different having one less team for sure, and, and your mindset changes a little when you've got a cushion. So that was that was really good. Um, the team is obviously trending in the right direction. Um, you've got one coming up here this weekend down in Philly against a team that hasn't won yet. You, you obviously got away with one last time you played them. I think that's no secret there. How does the mentality change – going down there and facing them again in such a short turnaround. I'm assuming you guys have likely learned your lesson and your mentality is super focused getting into that game so you can go and, and, and send yet another message. Am I right? Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. Uh, I think it's it's uh, beyond fair to say that we got away with one uh, when we beat them. And it's uh, like I just said, I, I think it's super clear that you can't afford to uh, – to to miss a week in this conference and Philly can play Philly 100% uh, can play lacrosse they got lots of talent uh, they work hard um, but having said that like Colin said they haven't got a win yet and to keep pace you can't lose to teams that haven't won yet like that's not, yeah. you know yeah absolutely not part of the plan <laughs> <laughs> and you shouldn't feel guilty saying that obviously you yeah. guys are on a one you're on path here to what you guys want to achieve, and there's and it doesn't really matter who you're playing this weekend. But I figured the focus would be extra tight because of the fact that uh, you know you're at home a couple weeks ago against this team, and you almost gave up their you know gave them their first win. So I my assumption was you guys would be uber focused, and I expect to see that this weekend for sure. All right, reader. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. I think uh, you might have climbed to the top of the chart as the number one guest here so far this year. No Safe question. Say, no yeah. question. Absolutely. Right. I, you know, I'd be happy if we had a little spot with him every week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, quick question before okay, we let you yeah. go. Fired up. Um, how do I say this? Reader, you can celebrate a win with the best of them. <laughs> what town do you love visiting the most? Oh. Um... probably denver i spent a long time in denver uh it's an awesome city uh i i i really like it really is a a cool place um but you know there'd be lots of close seconds (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll leave it there (laughs) all right reader thanks a lot for joining us uh and we look forward to obviously saturday night's game in philly best of luck and We will definitely do this again sometime this year.
All right. <laughs> no There's words. All right. We thanks. Will take a thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with more in a moment. Climbing up on Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle. We now welcome in our second guest on the program here today, Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're great, I think. Things are rolling along nicely on the pod today. Yeah, outstanding. Good to have you, Jamie. Thanks for coming on. So a big win. Toronto Rock get over the hump, so to speak, as we've been uh, alluding to for quite some time over the Georgia Swarm on Friday night. Uh, 14-9 win and a game that uh, the team got off to a great start. Uh, the secondary scoring came through. A lot of the things that we've talked about here uh, throughout the season that probably needed to happen in order for the Rock to beat the Georgia Swarm all kind of came to fruition on Friday night. So maybe get your spin on uh, on how you saw the game play out uh, against the Swarm. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with all that, really. It was, uh, it was a good game. It was a big game for us. It was, you know, Yes, we've struggled with them and this and that, but um, we all know how the season works, and, and that was our second of three games against them this year. And if we didn't win that, we would have been, you know, essentially three games behind them with a tiebreaker and already, you know, in a, in a hole, you know, for one of our goals, which is to win the East. So it was a big game for us, and, and I liked the way the guys answered the bell top to bottom, uh, you know, from Rosie right through all the old guys I, I thought I thought it was a really good team effort and a good team win there has there been a player on the team so far it's early in the year and like you said so much can change but has it been a player on the team that has surprised you the most um with with their level of play and and, and I know when watching myself there's two or three that I can certainly allude to but has somebody really jumped off the page to you and and what are they doing to to jump off the page well one guy that comes to mind you know I think well, was on the show a little earlier. Uh, Reader, readers, Creighton Reed's kind of come out of, uh, you know, a guy that was was here, what, eight years ago? Left, spent a lot of time in Colorado, and then moved on to Calgary. Um, you know, a free agent signing. You know, I knew Reader was, uh, you know, a pretty solid defender in this league, but I would <laughs> say through the first, uh, you know, five games of the season, he, he, he's been a real, uh, you know, logged a lot of minutes for us and done a, done a real good job. Um, you know, I, I think everyone's kind of doing their part, really, to be honest. Like for, for this point in the season, I, I, don't, you know, I don't feel by any means we've played our best lacrosse at all, which isn't a bad thing because, you know, we want to build it up, right? It's, it's all about how we're playing three months from now. While the, well, these wins are very important now, you don't want to be chasing. Um, you know, we, we're, we want to get better week to week, and I, I think we've kind of slowly done that here. I asked Creighton the same question in reverse. I asked him if he had seen a change in you at all in the eight or nine years since he's been <laughs> gone. Uh, but I'm going to ask you the same thing about him because I agree with you. He would be, if not at the top, very close to the top on my list as well of players that are really playing fantastic and maybe a bit of a surprise. Has he changed at all since you remember him last? I don't think so. Yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> now, can we talk about his lacrosse? <laughs> yeah. Listen, he's he's been a, he, he's an older guy on our team now. He's a, he's an influence guy, but no, reader reader seems to be the same reader that I that I uh, 
you know, remember from a little while ago, and, and we're just happy he's back here on our team and helping us pull in the right direction. There's so few players you can say that about. Say, if I get the same guy back in return almost 10 years later, I'll be super happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quite a, that's quite something to say about Reader. Now, Colin uh, brought this up earlier when we were uh, doing the opening of the, of the pod today, was uh, just talking about expansion a little bit and how teams have been impacted, and we talked about uh, kind of – the level of play a little bit around the league but you know now looking at your Toronto Rock team here a month and a half into the season or so you know we're kind of I think in agreement here that maybe the Rock were the least impacted maybe by expansion the way that things have kind of played out is that something you would uh, agree with or your spin on it I don't know if that's fair I I think we've come out of it okay because we had we had a lot of depth up front but you know we lost you know, we lost Brad Hickey, who, yep. who who did a lot of things for the Toronto Rock for a few years. And, you know, we lost Turner Evans, who didn't play last year, but that was a first-round pick of this team, you know, not long ago. And we were counting on Turner and waiting for mm-hmm. Turner to kind of turn into that first-round talent. So, you know, we were fortunate that we had a lot of depth up front. Um, you know, the guys that maybe didn't get the opportunity to step up with them around now have gotten the opportunity and taken advantage of it. And... You know, I think uh, it. Uh, so I think I think we've weathered it. I, I I think beyond weathered it. I think the team looks great, and and I I still believe. And it's hard for you to say because you lost good guys that you believed in, and that's a different perspective. But from watching the games across the league, the upstart that we've had, the energy, the athleticism, it is clear to me that we are the least impacted. And whether you want to sit here and say it now or not, that's completely fine. I respect that because you did lose good guys. But as a result, what I've seen from the first five games from this team has been better than what I've seen from others. So I think... uh, And I I think there's a difference between least impacted and who lost the most least. That's right. Now, other teams have a long way to sort out what they've got and how they're going to create their team. I just think it seems that we are further ahead. The Rock are a little further ahead of making that transition. And I think... It is a compliment to the players still in that room. And I think I don't think we can oversee that because you see some of the struggles of the other team that have been impacted. And even the better teams in this league, uh, even Saskatchewan, I see some holes. And, you know, they'll figure those out. They'll clear them up. And they're going to be there at the end of the year, no questions asked. But I saw it for the first time with Georgia this weekend. Their depth on offense um, and our defensive ability to take time and space away from them. And I think, you know, that's, that's a year or two of losing a player or two through trades and depletion and drafts. And I think... I saw it firsthand. I really did. And uh, for the first time, we spoke about this earlier, but I saw Georgia turning to number four and saying, you know, you got you to do it here. Yeah. And, and that's not a healthy place to be. It might be a one-off, but I kind of saw it again the next night uh, when they were in New England. So, anyway, I, I respect your answer there, Jamie, but from my, for my two cents so far this year, I've been certainly impressed with the product on the floor, and I think everybody in Toronto should be excited about it. Now we look forward to uh, this weekend against the Philadelphia Wings, and uh, you know I did throw it out and say it could be a trap game. Colin feels that the trap game was a few weeks ago. Uh, how do you view this game coming up against Philadelphia this weekend, and uh, especially what lies ahead on the schedule just a week later with Saskatchewan coming to town? Well, I, I'm personally the trap game to me is just a, just an excuse, like nothing more than that to say that. Um, you know, if 
if we don't go in there ready, I mean, we should have lost to them last time. So, I, I, and I think everyone in our room knows that, and we got away with one there, and, and we'll take it. We're not giving it back. But we need we need to go in. We need to be a lot better. We did not play well against them. Um, you know, I, I don't care. They're zero and five. They've their season's been very bizarre. I think other than our game, they've fallen behind, you know, yeah. by huge numbers four times, and then probably Battled tied back. every yeah. single one of those games up. Yeah. And and they're 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 dangerous. Now they get Crowley back. He's played a few games. Like you know, Crowley is a legit number one in this league. Uh, you know, Kyle Matisse has been great lately. You know, come goaltending. Goaltending is going to be a big factor when we played them up here. Um, you know, Buckham was great. Um, I, who knows who we'll get down there? We don't. It's not something we worry about or whatever. But we we've got to be better. So uh, no trap, no chance. Like you know, and I think that's you know part of our team is like we're young, but you know we haven't we haven't proven anything. Like nothing. We're, we're it's it's four and one's great. We're we're happy about it. But like I said, like we got a long way to go here, and and just want to can keep you know continuing to do the right things and. I know they're cliches, but if we continue to, to you know, work at this and, and pro trust the process and whatever, you know, hopefully that's going to lead us to where we really want to be. It's so funny hearing you say that because from, from where I sit now, not being in it and not having to say the right thing, <laughs> you know, I, I think the opposite. I think this team has proved so much so early on. And um, this all these little – little victories that they've had to this point and getting over Georgia was no joke and I know we made a big deal of it and in the dressing room it's just just another game but from the outside looking in the way they did it was was very very <laughs> it sent a real strong message and I think going here the next week and having learned their lesson that you know if you're not ready to play every night in this league you're going to get beat you know they learned it hopefully a couple of weeks ago now they're going to go right back and play that exact same team and their response to that is yet another small victory in building towards what could be a great a great year so you know it's it's easy for us to say and I think we're, we're in a much better position to say it but I, I am seeing a lot of little victories here that they can be proud of and it doesn't mean anything but it means they're getting it well they're wins they're wins and and they're encouraging it's just you know like I said it's like you know they don't crown they don't crown the champion at the last week of January you know and we're well aware of that but you know, they also, you know, wins are important early in the season. So, you know, we just want to – I'm proud of this team. I love the way we've started. But, you know, you you can't just sit back and go, okay, you know, now, hey, maybe we are one of the better teams here. Like, every night, you know, if we continue to show up and play the way we've been playing, then, then we're going to be – I think we're going to be real fine here. Um, you know, don't be satisfied. Um, you know, someone's someone's got to be, be be real good. Absolutely. Uh, quick question for you: Did you watch any football Sunday? I did. I did. I saw more of the more of the late game than the uh, early game. I got to ask you something: How unbelievable was Tony Romo calling the uh, plays every single <laughs> awesome, time? Awesome. Yeah. I, I have. Yeah. So, so I didn't know it was Romo on the call, and I was like sitting there going, "I don't follow football anymore." But I watched the late game. I go. If this guy calling the game knows every play they're calling, how on earth does the defensive coordinator and the other team have no idea? <laughs> and then I see on Twitter overnight how much of a big deal they were making this. I've never seen anything like no, that. It was, it was it, honestly, it made it was very impressive. Like, yeah. He just nailing it play after play <laughs> after play. And, um, you know, but then you think about it. If you stop and think about it, it's Tony Romo. Like he's been through that. He's he's in there 
calling calling those plays right. and whatever. And, yeah. But it really it, it gave you a really interesting point of view from like taking a player, a really elite player, putting him up in the box, and then getting his input during the game. It made it really interesting. It, it was, it was awesome. insane. I, I could not believe what I was hearing. I was so fascinated by that. It was so incredible. What about, I thought you were going to ask me about the uh, – no pass interference call. <laughs> no, um, that's another issue altogether. My goodness. Or the or the Chiefs. I mean, uh, Tom Brady. Wow. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'm not a Pats guy. Pats guy. I'm a Peyton Manning guy and whatever. But man, how do you bet against them? I, that's what I said. I mean, I thought the Chiefs should win the game, but I wasn't. I wouldn't have bet against Brady. Everybody wants to write him off. It's so impressive. Can I? Do I got time for one more question for Jamie? <laughs> Yes. Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> you're flying to San Diego. Let's just say we're going to use a – we're going to hypothesize a little bit here. You're flying to San Diego, okay? Yeah. You're, you're flying with the Rock team. Yeah. You're allowed to pick yourself and five other guys for the card game. Who do you put in that card game? Well, you're Got, in it. You're, had to have been, in it. You're in it. Okay. I'm, if there's a card game, you're coming on the trip. So okay. you're so number it, one. Uh, there's one. Current, current or all time? Anybody Anyone? you want who's – been associated with our organization. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, T's in there, man. Gotta have I, tea, You yeah. know, you're sitting at the table. T's at the table. Uh, you gotta have Shooter at the table. <laughs> That's three. Now, I, well, what about what about the I, old man? You gonna have him at the table? He, he's a, he's definitely a candidate. You know, if we're talking now, we're getting a little off, like you he know, because tri- because then you gotta you know. Petey's a sucker too, you know. <laughs> I didn't say your father was a sucker. I just said he's nice. You know to what? Have we'll get, I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw you a bone here. I'm gonna invite Scotty Evans back so he can pay you that debt. He owes. Yeah. Oh, wow, Scotty, I'm gonna find you yet, my friend. I'm coming after uh, that Ohio State bet. He liked the. He, he liked the. He wasn't here a long time. He liked the good card game. Troy. Troy, Troy was another one. Yeah, I mean Manning. Yeah, Manning, his arms, He's in and his out, arms right? were a yeah. little short, right? Tough to get in the pockets. A little bit of insight here. We had some great card games, so and I have so many fond memories of those. And, and, well, but, the first one was <laughs> Boston. And that's where it all began, right? <laughs> You're absolutely – we'll have to tell that story one day, one all right? One time, one uh, time. Yeah, all right. I still want to hear those top five. You'll tweet it out this week, I hope. Okay, I'll give you – okay. I don't know if it will be able to compete with your top – Five righties of all time. Seven guys. Was it seven by the time? I'll be at eleven. At eight or nine. I think Marsh. Marsh made me go to eight. Which you know, in hindsight, I probably should have had him top five. I don't know that I had more fun with any of the righties. But I literally forgot which way he shot. My bad, Marsh. I owe you one. You're top five. If I had to assemble, see, this is why top top lists are so hard. You and I all argue about this. Yeah. Like, I go 15 deep, and they'd all be rock players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hammer. Uh, yeah, Which way did Whipper shoot? I, yeah. yeah. That's a great question. I would have had left. Whipper top yeah. five. No, I left. think he's a lefty. Yeah. He'll all right. on the top lefties, yeah. All right. Okay, Jamie. Well, well thanks for joining fun. us. Another great time, and uh, good luck this weekend in Philly, and we'll uh, chat again soon. Right on. Cheers. Go get two points. We'll see you next week. Thanks. All right, that was Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick. We will take a short break, and we'll be back to wrap up the show in a moment. All right, back with more Toronto Rock Total Access here to wrap things up. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle. And uh, Doyle, it's been a great pod here so far. Uh, some great interviews with uh, 
Creighton Reed and Jamie Dowick to uh, roll through the show today. Some real funny stuff. It was good stuff. These guys are, uh, I feel like, really opening up with you on here, the podcast this year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody come through here. It's been a lot of fun. Then we'll get our favorites. We'll continue to bring them back. But Reader was great. He's a lot of fun. He's got a great outlook on life and lacrosse. And, uh, you know, alluding to what Jamie said, he's been a big piece of this team so far. And I think kind of out of nowhere, I don't think the expectations were that high. He's been great. So good to have him back. He's uh, he's a great character. I I just think he was, was, is exactly what The Rock needed. Without question. And... I think even last year, I know kind of watching the way things were going and seeing, especially once he got moved to the practice roster, I can remember thinking, eh, maybe he's a guy that, you know, maybe you take a swing at. But um, And then when he was a free agent in the summer, I just I just started thinking, like, there's the perfect guy to bring back here. Just to, He's a low-maintenance guy. He really is, I think. And it, it's funny. I was going to ask him, too, about – because he was talking about he's looking around the dressing room and some of the other younger guys there and I think some of their athleticism and whatnot. But I've also heard some of the other guys kind of marvel at Reader's athleticism a little bit, his work ethic and how – and I know – but just about how it doesn't seem like there's an off switch there. Like he just goes out, never really misses a shift, it seems, and just – keeps going and going and going and going and never seems to get exhausted out there or tire at all and 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 some of the other guys on the team who are working out like crazy uh he is a marvel yeah they like how's reader keep going where's the where's the motor there and how does it keep running the way it is he's he's a he's a high character guy he's a lot of fun and like i said he has great perspective and i think uh you know having been here through a championship I think he'll you know probably unknowingly be a real good resource for these for these younger guys but he's a yeah. lot of fun to have around it's one thing to have high character and be a lot of fun to have around a team but you got to be able to back it up on the floor he's done so so far so you're right he's been the perfect fit for this team and I think also a little bit of the perspective that he can bring on um having been here having won having left been through some other experiences and being back here and not only just appreciating another chance to play in Toronto, period, but also just everything else that comes with being a member of the Toronto Rock and how he's how he talks so fondly about the facility and even Jamie and, and everything else here. And, you know, I think probably a little bit of the family and maybe it was, you know, a little bit of maybe he missed a little bit of his family kind of thing when he was away here. Yeah, you never know. I think, yeah, and you, you know how good these guys have got it. And I think sometimes you, you lose perspective of that when you don't know any way. But since the Rock have won it in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, only three teams have won it, correct? So there's a lot of players in this league without that feeling. Yeah. You know, so he's one of very few. Like Saskatchewan, I think, has won three. Yep. Rochester, three. two or three. Three in a row, And then yeah. Georgia won. Yep. So, like, there's a lot of players uh, that don't even have that taste of winning at all. He kind of had it, and then it's gone. So I, I it's really neat. Uh, it's neat. But it, the league, the way it's gone over the last eight years, you know, it's been incredible. Like, so few players have been able to win this championship. Yep. And uh, he knows what it was like. So I think it will be good for these guys. He's great. Good to have him back. All right, so we have uh, we have had a chance to touch a little bit on this game coming up this weekend. Um you know, the Philadelphia Wings, you know, Jamie mentioned how they've, you know, yet to win a game, but have at moments kind of been in every game. And it seems like they've followed a similar script. Some games where they're getting behind, coming back. I mean, this past weekend, they got down big early. It looked like Buffalo was just going to 
um, hang one on them, and then they came back to tie that game up at 10 and then ended up uh, losing 14-10. But um, I, I don't know. Like, you don't know what the Philadelphia Wings are yet because this is a bunch of guys that have kind of just been obviously thrown together like most expansion teams. I feel like San Diego's obviously with a – with a four and two record, a little bit further along on the uh, development of their of their group than the Wings are, so to speak. But they've got some interesting pieces there. Matt Rambo is one guy I want to talk a little bit about too. He just at different times in games, he seems to kind of show up and do a little something. And I'm not really too sure what they have there in Matt Rambo yet in terms of the box game and where he can fit in. But you know, have you had a chance to watch him? Yeah, much and yeah, I've seen a few thoughts? of their games. He's a bull. I mean, yeah. he can get to the net. Seems when he wants to um good touch so yeah there's something there it's so raw though yeah and uh you know i i think understanding the next part of the game would be the big step for him he's got a great offensive coach there he'll learn a lot from tracy but you know the ability to get to the net and score is not easy and i think he's got that part nailed down yeah uh you know now figuring out when to go when not to go um, you know, how to draw a double team and move the ball. And all those other things are, are what's to come next. But, yeah, they've got something there, I think, for his limited background in the box game. And you can refer – you know, you can't compare him to Schreiber at all. I would compare him a little bit to McCardle because McCardle yeah. has that same ability really to get to the net with those quick feet. But Rambo seems to be a real load. And uh, he can turn his shoulder and get through somebody and then get to the net and finish. So, uh, you know, Jake Berge a little bit, maybe a little reminder of him. Okay, yeah. And being right in Philly, he used to have that ability, quick feet, good finish. So there's something there for sure. Um, and, you know, when you reference the two expansion teams, you know, I think in fairness, you know, San Diego got a lot of veterans through the uh, free agent process that have really helped that team. Uh, New England or uh, Philadelphia didn't. And so they're kind of going at it totally different. But the fact is, and, you know, I think we can say all the right things, but the fact is they're still an expansion team. We don't know what they are, but we know that what they're not. Yeah. And they're not a team that should beat the Rock this weekend. And, and, you know, there's no slight on them, and I'll say it. So, you know, when we look ahead to this week, I, I you know, my mind doesn't change. The fact of the matter is, is, you know, they almost put one on us in Toronto two weeks ago. That should be fresh in these guys' minds. And whether they win or lose, I guess, is irrelevant. But our guys of the Rock have got to go out there and just – have a great 60 minutes, play hard, play well. You know, you never know what the result's going to be. But, you know, if they beat them, they beat them. If they don't, they don't. But the fact is there has to be a great effort, and they have to show show me that ability to understand that they made a mistake last time and they're going to correct it and they're going to be super focused. Whatever happens, happens. But, you know, you know, when you watch it, you'll know. They were either dialed in or they weren't, and it's clear yeah. as day. And if they're dialed in, they should get the win. But I don't rest it all on that. They got to go in there and play a great sixty minutes and and really, really show everybody, show me that they're focused. You mentioned Kieran McCardle there, and uh, year three of him playing in the National Lacrosse League and with the Toronto Rock. And I think it's it's easy to say, okay, well, in his third year, he's he's getting better. He's showing signs of of understanding the game a little bit more and feeling more comfortable. But I'd almost like to say he actually does look comfortable now. He does. And, I think it's a little bit different than being cliched to just say, you know, he, he's, he's, he's more comfortable. Of course, it's his third year. Why wouldn't he be more comfortable? But I feel like he's actually getting it now. And I think to be a legitimate secondary scorer now for the Rock, somebody you can count on, I think, to chip in or maybe here and there go off a la Dan Craig recently. Um, you know, Kieran may be that guy that has the game this weekend, you know, whereas I think last year – 
yeah, maybe it, it did pop up here and there, but I think now I really feel like he seems to be comfortable and it's, you know, comfortable in his surroundings, I think. I think you talk about something that's really important here and maybe, you know, maybe I overanalyze, but he can go off now yeah. inside the team system. Yeah, you know, I think exactly, three years yeah. ago he'd have gone off for four, but everything would On have re- revolved around him. Yeah. And just like Dan, Craig, and Littner, you know, it's no different. These guys don't have to do that every night with three and, f- you know, four goals. But, yeah. you know, you've got to find, carve out your niche inside the offense without taking away from everybody else. And that's when offenses are so dangerous. And I think Kieran now will have a goal or two, a couple of assists. He'll fit into the flow. But, you know, he'll have a game where he's going to get 12 shots and he may stick you four. But if it doesn't take away from the flow of the offense and what it, what you're doing as a team or yeah. as a group, I think that's when you can say to yourself, wow, he, he gets it. He's starting to look comfortable. That I think that's what people – and when we talk about Rambo earlier, right now when he has the ball, he has the ball, he's going to the net, and that's what yeah. he is. So there is nothing else there. Three years from now, if he's evolved into something different that can do three or four goals in a game without taking away from the team, then you can say – I think he gets it. He's getting comfortable in an offense. Yep. And that's, you know, like I said, you only have to watch Saskatchewan once to understand what it's supposed to be. And Kieran has fit perfectly into what we needed on this team. He can dodge and beat people on his own. He can make the next pass. He can stick it when he gets his looks. That's what you want. And I think his ability to understand the offense now and what the Rock are has really proved him well. Tom Schreiber, he's been pretty good this year. Yes. I don't think we've seen the best of him, as we've kind of chatted about a little off air here. But um, you know, could this be the week where you know he's he's kind of playing a little bit close to New York, you know, here and being in Philly, not too far away. I think, from what I understand, I think he's got a lot of family coming to watch the game this weekend uh, in person in Philly. I just kind of feel like maybe the writing's on the wall that uh, this could be the best of Captain America here this weekend. He'd be making a mistake if that goes through his head. Because that's always when you play your worst, Mike. (laughs) I'm not saying that it goes through your head. It's just sometimes these storylines kind of... I get the storylines. They kind of write themselves sometimes, I think. Maybe this is one of those weekends. Maybe. I thought he was pretty good. What, What did he do in that one game? Oh yeah, when he hung five on Philly and he scored oh, with yeah, yeah so I thought that was goal. pretty good. He was he was great. Um, he but was yeah, good. look, yep. he he has yes, he's at home and the storyline would write itself really nicely if he went and had six and three, uh, which he's capable of every night. But again, w- the difference between Tom Schreiber and and everybody, but basically Casey Powell, is Tom's ability to fit right in from day one in an offense without taking away from it. You know, has been really like nothing we've ever seen. So he'll go about his business as he always does. You know, if he happens to be the guy that night, he'll let the game come to him and he'll score a bunch. But if not, he'll be happy to have two and five and the Rock get a win and the offense scores 15. So, you know, again, this is is an interesting conversation that this has morphed into. But I think, you know, Casey had that ability to fit into an offense and quarterback it Mm-hmm. without taking away from it. And that's a really challenging thing to do because you've seen guys in this league put up big, big, ungodly numbers. But their team, they don't win anything. Yeah, And it's you see it all the time. And there's a difference between a player like that and a player like Tom Schreiber who can just fit right in, put up big numbers, carry the offense, but also can fit in seamlessly. That's what, what's been so impressive about him for me. And I would suspect he'll do the exact same thing this weekend. All right, you got uh, a few hot takes to throw at a new segment that you've decided to uh, carve out here. 
Well, seven I, from number seven here? Yeah, let's call it that. But I, I watched a lot of lacrosse. I'm just going to say some things off the top of my head here, things that I wrote down throughout the week. And I think that we can discuss them if you want, or we'll just move All on. Right. But I think there's some things. And the first hot take would be that the quality of lacrosse across the board this weekend was not as good as we've be, become accustomed to. Fair. San Diego has a shot at the West. Whoa. Dixon's return has hurt the Roughnecks. Austin Stats is a load of a man. Lyle Thompson does not come off the floor. Matisse is doing great things and in a much improved role. And Buffalo can score. <laughs> okay. Well, Lyle Thompson does not come off the floor. I literally that? feel like watching the game Friday night and Saturday <laughs> yeah. night. I don't remember. Every time there was something happening, offensively or defensively, he was on the floor. Yeah. It marvels me how much he plays. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And maybe I'm just taking note because it's him but my goodness i I feel like he's on the floor all the time yes it's impressive san diego has a shot at the west are we talking like you think come playoff time they have a shot to unseat the rush or you i do regular season finish i think they'll they'll make the playoffs for sure they'll be in the mix but right now uh what is it about the team that you think gives them the shot at the West? Well, they have, they have, I mean, they have an incredible group of people building that team and coaching them. So their mentality, I know those guys well, their mentality is only one thing. It's championship or bust. I don't think that mentality will change. And they've got great leaders. They picked up, uh, you know, Danny Dawson and Brody, and they've probably been revitalized a little bit by the young people around them. They did a great job in the draft, in the expansion draft. They seem to be getting really good minutes from their goaltender. There's a ton of holes in the roster, don't get me wrong, but, you know, they're driven and they're focused right now. And if Austin Stats can continue to do what he does and they can tweak things defensively and continue to get better, this is going to be a team that keeps getting better. And I I really think they got a shot in the West. I don't think they're going to win it. But, you know, Colorado's not better than them right now. Vancouver's not better than them right now. Yeah, you know, so and I can say that with certainty. I 100% think uh, they're better than both those teams. So, you know, who knows where it goes? It's early, but it's a hot take. They're legit. <laughs> it's a hot take. The other one in there, Calgary Dixon. Um, if you're a fan of the NLL, I don't think you can hide from this storyline. Like this was a team that was rolling and scoring, and then they signed them and brought them back, and they have been atrocious. Now, I've been around this thing long enough. I know that they're going to turn it around and they'll fix it. But it's a hot take. They're worse with him right now, and there seems to be an issue there. He's taking a lot of shots, turning the ball over a ton, and they're generating nothing offensively, and they look like a different team. That's the hot take. (laughs) It's fact. (laughs) Now, I I believe completely, you know, fact is they're probably not better without him. I mean, he's a a a one-in-a-generation goal scorer, and they're going to need him, and they'll sort it out. But right now, man, it's been bad. What a di- that's they have changed 180. And when you get the big contract, I guess you got to answer these questions. So, what are your thoughts, though? I mean, Westberg, Reese Dutch, uh, how does that all plug in? Chris Bushy's been really good for them so far. Well, maybe it doesn't. I mean, maybe it doesn't all plug in. Like, you know, that could be fact as well. Like, there's a lot of right handed players there, and, you know, that's for them to figure out either it works or it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I think they had their chip on their shoulder with, with the guys holding out and people probably writing them off at the start of the year. I mean, Dane Dolby got off to probably his best start ever. And they were scoring, they were fluid, and then this. So, 
you bring Westberg back, does that fix it automatically or does that make things worse? You know, you never know. You have to find the right group, and we've talked about cohesiveness, cohesiveness on offense so much. I don't have the answer to that, but there's a lot there. Does it work? Not automatically. Does it make it that much more difficult? I mean, we've seen basically you're plugging a big piece back into a team here a few games into the season. If Berg then gets, you know, plugged back in here at some point, is that yet another – is that potentially maybe a one-week adjustment period and hopefully you get by or, or you know – Who knows? I guess I'm just saying, you know, you're sitting back there as a Calgary Roughnecks and where you are in the season time-wise and your record and what's been going on, and it's kind of like you're – Maybe not so much at the mercy of of Westberg a little bit here in this situation, and and Curtis Dixon having you know just come back, but you know to kind of those guys are really kind of you know even more so maybe directing the you know steering the ship so to speak as to where your team's gonna go personnel wise, play wise, you know you, sometimes eventually you're gonna run out of track here. I guess is also what I'm saying in the season is. How long do you wait until you do something to kind of set your direction with your club? At three and one, they probably felt like they could have waited forever. Yeah. You know, until this thing goes bad, there's really no pressure on us to get them back. But now, you know, you've reverted, lost three in a row, and now you're in the middle of the mix in the West, and you look at it, okay. And again, it's not it's not going to continue that way. But, geez, if we do this again with Berg and we bring him back in, can we afford three weeks of an adjustment? Um, so they have to make that decision, uh, you know, from the team perspective, if Berg comes back, Bushy goes out, Bushy's been really good for them. He's a young player. Uh, what does that do? If you take him out, what message does that send? All these things they got to go through because of these things that happened at the start of the year with those players holding out. And we talked about it in our first segment. This is the byproduct of players holding out. It really, it's irrelevant what, what money they get or that's their business. It's nobody else's business, but as a fan of the team, or management of the team or a teammate this is how it affects it and you know it's reared its ugly head but man it was bad it was like san diego was was tough to watch offensively uh for for calgary you know certainly not what they become accustomed to it's a transition they'll get used to it but you're right they get berg back do they go through it again or don't they i don't know nobody knows it's weird they've had they've had good and bad problems pop up i think here too because you look at reese dutch and the production they've got out of him and you know, maybe it would have been easier if he wasn't, <laughs> you know, in, in right. the long run, right? To be like, okay, you know what, Reese, you know, we, you know, signed you as an unrestricted free agent here. You didn't cost us anything. Things haven't worked out. Our big dogs are back. Right. You know, it's been nice knowing you kind of thing. But now you've had success with that guy. <laughs> you sure make it hard and for another has, free agent to sign down the road when you yeah. say, well, you just threw him aside when your yeah. horses came back. So all these unique things that happen in a situation yeah. like this and, you know, bring it back full circle to the rock. All these things we're not going through. And all these things take a toll. So, you know, like I said, they're going through a hard time in Calgary, but I don't think they're a bad team. I just think they've got to sort this out. And then they've got Bergie sitting on the shelf, and they're probably asking themselves the same thing. Well, what if, what if, what if? So I think they got to figure that out, sort it out, and go, move on with it, whatever it looks like. But you're right, there's a lot of collateral damage when you have – so much invested in a right side. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We could be sitting here for five more weeks saying, man, this isn't good, or they could turn it around next week. We don't know, but it's something that I could not have been the only fan in the NLL to take note of that. No way. Yeah. Well, hey, we always say, you know, in this league, 
Hero to zero, zero to hero, week to week here, right? That's it's, the way it is. Uh, always been up and down. All right, so uh, let's wrap things up on that note. Uh, big game on Saturday night, Toronto Rock, Philadelphia Wings. You can watch it live on Bleacher Report at 7 p.m. from Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Big matchup for the Rock. Hopefully things keep rolling on and the uh, three-game win streak becomes four and uh, get that much closer to talking about the playoffs. Mike, we're still in January. Please. When wins go in the bank. (sighs) (laughs) You have to start talking about it at least a little bit, no? Thinking about it. Maybe not talking about it, thinking about it. Rock are playing very well. Let's hope they keep it up. That's my right. that's my hot take okay. on the rock. The you can talk playoffs right. and storylines. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All righty. That'll be wrap things up. Uh, don't forget, lots of tickets available uh, still for next Friday night's country night. Great seats available. Jade Eagleson. Check him out on YouTube. He's got a hit song uh, on there. You can uh, you can see how many views. I think it's over seven million views on there. So he's. Uh, He's becoming kind of a big deal, so this is your chance to check him out live and in person, the halftime show at the uh, Scotiabank Arena on Friday night, February 1st, and it's going to be a massive game. Rock against Saskatchewan Rush, huge matchup. I mean, the Rock have already kind of got over the one hump in beating Georgia. Hopefully things roll on against the Wings, and then you got the defending champs on uh, Friday, February the 1st. Could be a nice little roll here to get on for the rock so that will do it for this episode of toronto rock total access in the meantime and in between time i'm mike hancock for colin doyle saying we will chat next week